Hello, and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. love about getting together is being able to do what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 10, 24. He says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of son, some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's one of the joys that we have in getting together is, is encouraging one another, reminding each other that the day is coming, that our Lord is coming back. And one of the ways that we most often do that is simply to go to the word of God. Right, to look at it to, let it, to let it wash over us, to let him, through the work of his Holy Spirit, guide us into knowing him better. And we usually do that straight through one book after another. If you haven't been here for a while, we just finished a series through James, and that was a great time. But we also do that in different ways. Right? At times, we stop and we do a topical series to try to encourage us in particular ways that might be relevant. And at other times, we can hear from one another in ways that would encourage us, Lord willing, through the ways that God has worked in other people's lives. And that's our goal over the next uh, four Sundays together, is to hear from your elders. Uh, We want you to to know them a little better, to get to know how God has moved in their lives. And so we're going to be doing sort of an interview format. Now, to be fair, they knew all the questions ahead of time. There's no stumpers. I'm not trying to trick them into anything. I may throw something weird in there in the middle of it. Uh, But we are excited that we get to hear from our elders over the next couple weeks. Kids, if you didn't know, Shelby did a great job writing down some questions for you to think about while while Mr. Metzger is talking today, and there's some blank pieces of paper over there, so you can try to draw him, and he would love to see how you drew him by the end of this. So if you didn't try that and see that already, feel free to grab that. But um, would you please welcome up with me Rich Metzger. Oh, my gosh. So, Rich, do you prefer Rich or Richard? Uh, either's good. Yeah. Um, I, I chose rich. I rich know. works. Yeah. It's, it's more, um, efficient it's more than Richard. Efficient. Nice. <laughs> so, Very yeah. nice. I like that. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for being willing to just share your life with us. And yeah. just, so you all know, like rich was awesome. I sent him out some of the questions and he sent me back one of these like, you know, gifts that came back and it was just this dude like sweating down his face. Like imagine if I, if you were to come up here and sit and be asked questions like, how has God been sanctifying you in your life? <laughs> You're like, oh, that's not a question I want to say in front of everybody. Um, no, Rich, thanks for being willing to just share, and I'm um, excited to have you up here. So start, start for me, would you please, by telling me about this handsome and beautiful bunch up there. Yeah, so that's my incredible family. So starting on the left, that's Hannah. She was up there singing, yeah. <laughs> and then we got um, Christian, my beautiful, that's our uh, youngest that just graduated on next to Hannah. My beautiful wife, Ingrid, that's me. And then that's my oldest son, Caleb. And his wife, Sydney. So, yeah. Fantastic. What a great family. No, it's fantastic to see there. Um, so, Rich, one of the things I was thinking about is just my, my off-topic questions to ask you as you came up here is, yeah. you look like a dude that many coaches throughout high school and college <laughs> would have looked at and said, what are you going to come play with for me? Basketball, yeah. football, something. Were you that kind of guy? No, I, I was not an athlete, really. I, I was in um, like a junior ROTC and was on like the rifle team. Okay. I did. I played football and I wrestled, but I wasn't, you know that great i mean yeah but you went in you went to the service i did correct yeah i went in the military okay when did you enlist yeah so i graduated high school in 92 and then i went in for four years so 
92 to 96. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. So you used yeah. it in other ways. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> um, what is something that, that you, that no one here would think to ask you, but you, yeah. you would think we should know? Yeah. So I thought about this and I think I would say that I, so I do have a charismatic background and I think a lot of people wouldn't think to ask me about that. Um, but also I have a real love for apologetics and that's, um, many of you know, that's, just the Christian uh, discipline on sort of defending the faith. And they like to use the scripture from 1 Peter. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. It's the last part that's usually hard. Yeah. <laughs> the gentle and respect yeah. part. <laughs> so do you, do you enjoy like, reading kind of a Christian apologetic books? Do you like talking about that with other people? And- yeah, I, I do. I, um, there's, yeah, it's just something that I've always enjoyed um, learning about. I'm not, I'm not sure why. I think it might be just because as a kid I was always just wondering, how does this work? Why is this? And so when I came to faith, it was kind of a similar thing. I had a lot of questions, you know, and, and over the years, I've found a lot of amazing answers. And so it's just a passion that I have, I would say. That's great. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your youth. What was it like growing up for you and your family yep. and your life? Yeah, so I was raised um, in a military family. So my dad moved around a lot, um, but we were, uh, so I have a, an older brother. And I would say that we, we, we weren't really raised as Christians. I mean, we, we would go to church on kind of Christmas, sometimes on Easter. But I had a very loving family, great parents, um, but, it, but faith wasn't a big part of that. Yeah. Uh, did you guys move around a lot, I'm assuming? Then we did, yeah. Yeah, we moved around a lot. So I graduated high school in Germany, actually, um, in 92. And we lived in D.C. for a while, in California, um, kind of all over, actually. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, what what at some point changed for you if you grew up in a family that wasn't you would characterize right. as Christian? What what would it come to faith look like for you? Yeah, so I do have a slide actually for this one. Um, yeah, and this is the Casey's helping me. There we go. Okay, so um, yeah, so how did I come to faith? So the the top right picture. I wanted to add that. So I added that later after I realized oh it's the family service day. So I'm trying not to just talk over over their heads, but. I just compared my life um, before Christ as kind of that kid just eating dirt. So, and I really started to realize just how ugly sin was. And um, the guy that kind of told me about Jesus, what he, what he offered always seemed more like what's on the bottom there. Um, and, but then what I came to realize is that Christianity is way more than a buffet. It's a person. It's, you know, it's so much bigger than that. But, and so there's this quote, um, sin turns ugly and is subject to, def- to defeat only when seen in the light of Christ's beauty. And that's a, just a quote by Sam Storms, and it's, it's one that I love. So, yeah, so that's kind of what it looked like. Was this, uh, who was this person? That, 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 was there one person in particular that you remember yeah. that shared with you? Or? Yeah, his name was Chris Miltich. And, um, and so I was about 22. I'd been in the service for about three years. And my, my role in the company that I was in changed, and I was down in what they call the Camo shop. And so, um, and he was a guy that had recently come to faith too, but... He was, honestly, in, the, in this company of 100 guys, I mean, there was, I know there were more, but it seemed like there was really only one Christian when I look back at it. I, you know, of course there were more, but, so he just spoke very directly to me um, in a way that we probably wouldn't recommend, you know, just very direct, like where I was going to spend eternity kind of things, and so, yeah. But that but caught you where you were at in that it, moment. It totally did, yeah, and I, and I actually found him again um, about maybe five years ago and reached out, and so we're, and he's just blown away. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're, you know, you're still a Christian, you know, it's just because <laughs> he knew me, you know, before as well, but yeah. yeah. 
Oh, yeah. praise God. That's really cool. Yeah. So did he, for you and that experience then being in the military at the time, mm-hmm. d- did you see like everyone has different experiences with coming to faith? Like was it an instant change? All sorts of things were happening in your life? Was it a yeah. gradual, slow growth? Like how did you? Yeah, I would say that it was, it felt pretty instantaneous. So um, I remember having a few dreams that I think God, you know, just gave me to just remind me of, again, the ugliness of sin. Just ones that really rattled me. And around that same time is when... Um, so actually, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because there is a verse that I had. So it's the one on loving your enemies. I remember distinctly, um, you know, because he was kind of... After I had kind of said the sinner's prayer, you know, he was, uh, he was like, okay, now read the Gospel of John and read the Sermon on the Mount. And, and, and I did that. And I remember it just really stuck with me, the love your enemies. Um, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and, I, and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. And especially, I, you know, I was thinking about it. It's like in the military, loving your enemies is not part of it. And so, again, it was the contrast that, that really hit me. And then, um, you know, and I really wrestled, you know, I struggled that first year, but then when we moved to Idaho is when he told me, pray for Christian friends, and I did, and God gave them to me. So, yeah. That's great. It's a good prayer, too. <laughs> yeah. Pray for friends to come alongside to encourage you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, so... You're in the military. You've now come to faith, and then how did God use your your growing faith then through through the next steps of your life vocationally? Yeah. Where did He take you? What did that journey look like for you? Yeah. So after so after I got out of the military, I was 23. And this is 96 now, and I so we I came back to Idaho to go to school at Boise State, and I worked at Pizza Hut as a driver. That's where I met Ingrid, and so I was kind of a new believer, maybe two years delivering pizza. Yeah, or, I was delivering pizzas yeah. to her door. <laughs> No, she was a supervisor. Oh, yeah, okay, so, okay. oh yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah. Sounds a little no, better. That, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that'd be an incredible story. But, <laughs> but no, we worked together. Um, and yeah, and so, uh, so, and and she had a charismatic back. So we went to an assembly God church in Caldwell. And then I, I, I really just felt the Lord after about three years saying, um, you know, um, this. He put this desire in me for more expository preaching, and so. We went to Calvary Chapel. Then we moved around a lot, and, and then we eventually came back to Idaho. Um, but, it's, oh, but as far as the vocational side, so, so I went to Boise State and studied electrical engineering. And I remember that um, what always resonated with me, again, as a new believer that was always like the why, why, why this, why that, God, um, what really resonated was that it's, it's like science was unraveling the mysteries of God. And I, I don't remember where I, I read that quote, but it always stuck with me. So like when I was learning about physics and chemistry, it always felt like I'm learning the, the, the how, but not the why. That's where science isn't really helpful. But the how, it really was. So, so, and then you know, I'd read about these amazing scientists, you know, Newton, who in essence discovered calculus. Newtonian physics is a big, big thing. You know, I, I believe he wrote more books on theology than, than math. And so I saw this rich history of deep um, Christian thinkers and scientists um, that really um, impacted me, I would say. Yeah. That's great. So electrical engineer, then to what? What did you Yeah, do? so I was a logic design engineer, and I worked out at Hewlett-Packard for about three years. So I was, I was basically a programmer. And then, uh, and then I got bored after about three years and, um, and, and quit HP to go work at a startup out in Colorado. And so then we moved around a lot. And from there... You know, I basically worked on design teams, um, and then we moved back to Idaho in around 2012, and I worked at Micron for a bit, and then I left that and just started my own company, and so, yeah. Right. So in that time, there was a couple kids, and a marriage somewhere yep. in there. And- yeah, yeah. So we got married in 90, um, oh boy, 98. We just celebrated <laughs> our 25th, 
uh, anniversaries. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. By God's grace, it's it's incredible. Um, but yeah, so we had uh, we had Caleb while we were while I was still graduating, and then um, and then Hannah, and then Christian. So. And then empty nesters after this year. Yeah, now we're we're really close. So um, so Caleb is already married. He he lives out here. Hannah, um, who, who a lot of you know, she, she's actually engaged, and she's going to be married in February to, yeah, to an amazing guy named Micah, um, really great dude. And then, um, and then Christian is, uh, he's actually, this is crazy, but he's actually, um, I believe he's leading worship in, um, this Sunday at his, um, his cousin's church in Caldwell. And so, um, but yeah, but he's going to be moving, it looks like, to Minnesota, and that was all kind of to work with his cousin, and so I'll probably be driving him out there. But yeah, we're we're going to be empty nesters, so that's kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah. whole new stage of life. Yeah, Pretty cool. Yeah, seems like it. <laughs> so you've been a part of Assemblies God Church. What mm-hmm. uh, for you? I mean, you're an elder today. Did, mm-hmm. What would the, the trajectory of ministry look like for you? Did you? Yeah. Did you? Was that a new thing for you? A recent thing, or have you been a part of different leadership capacities at different times? Yeah. So. Um, so I, I wasn't really in any leader. Well, okay. So at Calvary Chapel, I, I was kind of a junior high youth um, leader. And so I did do that, you know, and that was when I'd been a Christian for maybe like about six years. And, um, you know, we helped out with the youth group at the Assembly of God Church. But um, when we moved back here, we helped a friend who I, I think a lot of you might know him. His name is Sherrod Yadav, and he um, I feel like a lot of people know him in the area, but he, he replanted a church in Nampa, um, and then he ended up moving to Portland, but we were part of, of the church he had in Nampa, and then it be, kind of became Trademark, which then I think became New City Church, maybe? So yeah, so then, but, so then we ended up, when, when Sherrod left and went to Portland, we, uh, we went to City Church, and then I, I was an elder there for about, well, we went there in like 2013, until the merge, and we were kind of a gospel, like a life group leader, and then I was an elder there for about three years, and then we merged, and now I'm, I'm here, yeah. So. That's great. It's fun to see how God used that in your life and yeah. moved on. So um, what, what is something that has been, for you, influential in your life as a Christian, whether it's an author or just even an idea about God, something mm-hmm. that has been sort of a driving factor for you? Yeah, I would say... Um, and I think, do I have another slide for this one? No, I don't. Um, yeah, so so this is the something I love about God or no? <laughs> sure. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so on, yeah, for that one, I do have a slide. Um, and that would be, there we go. All right, so yeah. Um, so something that has always resonated with me, and I, I think I'm answering both questions now in a way, but um, it's just been this this idea that God is is truth um you know he he doesn't point to truth he is truth but then this idea too that he's that he's beauty and that's kind of the thing you know when he talks about his glory it's his beauty and it's the thing that really kind of draws it's that thing that that um i think jonathan edwards alluded to it's why christians die not for the truth but because of the beauty that they see in god and that's just something that god really um has put in my heart and so um and I, but I would say that I believe in Christianity. Um, so, the, so the thing that I love about God, or the, the thing that one thing that resonates, is summarized really well in this quote: um, "I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun is risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else." And that that has always resonated with me. It's um, the the reality of Christianity is that it just makes sense to me of the world. 
it, um, when you think about life's toughest questions, and I know that I'm, I can be weird. I, I've been told I think about things too much at times, and it's not that I'm a super bright guy either. It's just, it's just where my mind goes. But so, I, so I realize for some of you this might not be as exciting. But when you know, Christianity is able to make sense of things that other um, worldviews, to put it that way, really can't. You know, so like, why is there order in the universe? Why isn't everything just random? And um, I love 1 Corinthians 14. For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. So, so in Christianity, we have an answer to that. And I just love that. I, there, it's very comforting that, that I don't have to like, come up with a reason in my brain, that I can see it in Scripture and see that, that God has preserved those words. And um, you know, why is it better to love than to hate? Or why is it that justice is better than injustice? And we all know that. Um, you know, have you ever met anyone that, that saw like Braveheart and rooted for the English? Like, I, don't, I haven't. Like, unless they're just messing around with it. Like, everybody wants to see justice. And, and so there's something in us. And, and I think, um, and Paul kind of speaks of this in Romans 1. He says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly um, perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. So it's like, not only does, does Christianity have an answer to that, but it's, it's really the justification that God gives for eternal separation from him. He's like, this is written on your heart. You know what it's like to be wronged. We all do. Um, and so, yeah, so that's something. And then the last thing I'll say on this is that, um, you know, why, why do we know intuitively it's better to create than destroy? You know, is it when your kid makes a snowman, are you like, why? That's horrible. And then you run out there and knock it over? No. Um, and it's because um, in Christianity, you know, God began the, everything was, was uh, formless and empty and, and then he began a series of notable divisions. And so God created out of, out of that. So, so why is it better to create than destroy? Maybe because, again, God, you know, we are image bearers of God, and, and we're able to kind of participate in these. Um, and, and, and he, for some reason, allows us to enter into this you know, story and, and create beauty right along with him. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, beauty, beauty is one of those sweet things, how it affects yeah. us. It's, it arouses our affections to the Lord in a, yeah. a different way than just head knowledge can. So. Yeah, and even, even poetry. I mean, you might... Uh, so I, I read a source that said that uh, a third of the Bible is actually poetry. Did you guys know that? I didn't realize that. But when you think about it, it's like um, a third of it is poetry. So even if... So, um, and so often when God has hard things to say, like I think in Jonah when, when he responds... It's in a poetic form. It's like, it's like God is, um, I don't want to say softening the blow, but it almost feels like that. He's, like, he's still being like very gentle. Um, yeah. That's fantastic, yeah. Um, so you mentioned, I mean, you've mentioned some fantastic names. Jonathan Edwards, C.S. Lewis, I believe is that quote. Yeah. Uh, Sam Storms, uh, you talked about Newton. Uh, outside of the, the gentleman who led you to faith, what has discipleship, like personal interactions with other people, look like for you as far as helping you in your faith journey and your walk? Yeah, I love that question. So um, like many of you, if you were to up here and ask who's, you know, there's probably a long list. And for me, it's definitely, it's definitely like that. But I would say the one person that very consistently has, has been, again, my, my amazing, beautiful wife, Ingrid. So um, yeah, for 26 years, um, she's spoken into my life. She's, um, you know, I think especially because I was a, a newer believer, you know, she just was really um, gentle, you know, taught me what it's like to pray, to have faith, to, 
to adore the scriptures to um you know and so her but i would say too there's there's other people you know john mitchell for sure he's a guy that ever since we went to city you know he walked with us through raising teenagers and when i became an elder there you know what it's like to to be an elder and um and of course my gospel community now the other elders you know that all kind of people here i mean it's it's such a long list but yeah it's Thank you for asking that one. Though. Yeah. yeah. So, what does that look like now for you then in your life, having had people pour into you? Yeah. Uh, how do you engage others in that process? Yeah, it's that's the amazing thing about it is um, it God has a way of equipping us um, through through this discipleship, and so yeah, I mean it's it's like you know we we when we go through you know tough years with raising teens, um, you know God does prepare you in a way to be able to, when someone else has that, you know, and, um, so I, I would say that just being able to pour into others, but also just the, the, the affection for God, again, it's like, um, he makes sense of, of suffering, you know, it's like, um, he, he's the one that died on a cross, like, I think he knows a little bit about suffering, so, and I, I don't say that to minimize suffering, I mean, it's, it is one of the hardest ones, and, and I don't, I don't have a great answer for that, except to trust God, but, but I would say that um, that's probably where I would land those. Is it helps us help others, and then also richens our affections towards yeah. God. Yeah. What is uh, how, you? You guys are part of a gospel community, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you guys help lead that one, or? Yeah, we're we're one of. So we actually have three leadership teams. So so Ben and Mary are one, and then Justin and Hillary, and then Ingrid and I. Yeah. And how has that been a part of your guys' life? What does that rhythm look yeah. like? How does that has that been helpful for you? Yeah, it's been huge. I mean, I, I think um, we're we're really fortunate, and I know that you know these things don't last forever. And I think it's it's God's way of reminding us that this isn't heaven. But but we've been really fortunate that our, the GC that we're part of um, had been around for about I think four years at City Church, and and for the most part, there's still like a thread of people that have been there the whole time. And so we've just grown really close, and and you know I, I know that that's that's a blessing that. You know, I definitely feel like it's nothing we did. It's just sometimes, you know, God has these moments where he, he blesses you. And, um, yeah, but, but it's been huge, I mean, just in being able to walk out life and with, with others. That's yeah. great. Uh, so in your walk with the Lord, what has been something that's been difficult for you, yeah. whether it's a concept to grasp or, or just even a, a, a difficult phase or uh, something that he's trying to sanctify you through that's been hard? Yeah, yeah so... Um, yeah, this is the one where I, I replied with the, the guy sweating. Um, can you please repeat the question? Um, <laughs> no, I, I would say, um, so, you know, I thought about this, and I would say trusting the Lord. So Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. I would say that I, I believe that if I could really trust the Lord, that, that most of the ancillary reactions that I have would kind of fade away. Because when I don't, when I don't trust in the Lord with all my heart, what happens? My, my faith is shaking. So when something a little stressful happens, it's like, oh, you know, it can be hard. When I don't lean on, um, when I lean on my own understanding, then again, I don't, I don't have the answers. I, I'm pretty good at getting it wrong, actually. And, um, and finally, when I don't acknowledge him, then, you know, what am I, I'm acknowledging something. So in essence, myself. And, and so it's, I would say that's the thing. And when I don't, it comes out as being impatient, um, you know, even angry at times, you know, with the kids or things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's it. so interesting how something so basic as just trust 
can be at the root of so many frustrations and difficulties. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing that. Well, uh, so here's a curveball. Yeah. So in this season as an elder over, over Rev 22, what mm-hmm. are you praying for for the church, Ooh, for the people yeah. that you know and love? I think um, what I've been praying for the most is just, I would say marriages, you know, because I know there's um, there's different pain points. So just for, for people's marriages, um, a lot of prayer for uh, just the leadership that we would um, make good decisions, you know, that we would uh, be, you know, honor you all, honor the Lord and, and really think through. And um, yeah, so um, and then just just for for our church, you know, it's, it has been a hard season and just that, that the healing would continue and that, um, yeah, that we would all um, stay united and, and and keep pressing the kingdom forward as best we can. Is God. Yeah. Uh, so you've, you've shared many different things that you love about God so far, but is there yeah. anything else that you're like, man, I wish people loved this about God along with me? Yeah. Um, that one, I mean, these questions are great. I mean, I know, and, and I'm humbled to be up here, you guys. I mean, any one of us could, could have amazing things, you know, that, that we might not have thought of, but I would say that, and you're, you're probably getting a theme. It's, it's going to be on the similar vein on, on the beauty of God. If you, but I would say something that I would love others to see would be that um, that Christ himself has a shocking beauty, as some theologians have put it. Um, he, uh, we all have a decision to make. We either we either trust trust God or trust something else. If we trust something else, we're trusting ourselves. And so it's a decision to make. And what Christ says is that he he not just points to the truth he says i am the truth he is the logos he's he's the logic the reason of god so if you're ever like well where is god i want to see him it's in the scriptures it's it's in the the person of christ i mean that's that's the um the exact representation of his being and so so what so what does christ look like then and this is where i'm going to explain just the shocking beauty and this i think this might be the last question unless there's others but i'll 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 go through this kind of quickly but if, so what, what do I mean by the shocking beauty of Christ? Um, and again, none of this is stuff I've come up with. It's just stuff that I've, I've read and heard over the years. But Christ had a freedom that we don't have in general. So think about yourself. Think about what, what are you enslaved to? Like what political party? What um, even theology? You know, what, uh, what beliefs do you have? What, what, are your, um, what are the people that you hang out with? You know, especially like in high school, that's that's a lot clearer. You know, you're either a jock or a nerd or you know somewhere in between. Or, you know, but Christ, he didn't have that. He, if you think about it, he um, think about his political views. If if I can word it that way, he calls a tax collector, which certainly would have been on one end of the spectrum, but also uh, Simon the Zealot. You know, and the Zealots, there were a lot of of um, you know kind of saviors at the time or messiahs. And did they call tax collectors? I don't think they did. I mean, there's actually, you know, they called zealots. So Christ was not enslaved to a political idea. He was totally free. Um, how about socioeconomic? Blessed are the poor, right? But what is he? What, and so what about Zacchaeus, though, who was rich? Um, and and after, after, he, he, um, after he called Zacchaeus, he says he, that Christ says he came to seek and save the lost. So, so he didn't fit into to anything there. How about the physical outcasts, the lepers? Christ made it a point to touch them and heal them, even though the, um, they were they were in, in essence untouchable. He, um, how about the how about the racial outcasts, the Samaritans, um, the the women at the well that Christ that Christ calls and, and spoke very tenderly to. 
she was a Samaritan. I mean, she actually said to him, why are you talking to me? I'm, I'm Samaritan. Jews don't talk, you know. So, so he wasn't enslaved. The Gentiles, how about them? He got chased out of Nazareth, in essence, in, I believe it's Luke chapter 4, because he, uh, he, he basically said that the Gentiles had the same value as the Jews and that they were worthy of a blessing, and, and he, he caused a riot. So he wasn't enslaved. How about his, the wisdom of Christ? Can, has anyone ever found a, a single sentence that Jesus said that was inappropriate or wasn't right? No one has, and people have tried. I mean, if you think about it, um, think about us. We're quick to act, right? We all have um, maybe habitual ways of acting. Jesus didn't have that. He, in one moment, he publicly heals a woman from a flow of blood in Luke 8. The next, he privately heals a Gentile who's deaf, telling him not to tell. So sometimes he healed in private, sometimes in public. The, his wisdom was unmatched. And one of my favorites, and I'm, this is a little bit longer quote that I'm going to read, um, but he was kind of he was the Lord of character traits. So again, I'm talking about the shocking beauty of Christ. Like, who is this God that we follow? Um, he he says in this quote. So this isn't Jesus, but this uh, theologian says Jesus combines high majesty with the greatest humility. He joins the strongest commitment to justice with astonishing mercy and grace, and he reveals a transcendent self sufficiency and yet entire trust and reliance upon the heavenly Father. We're surprised to see tenderness without any weakness, boldness without harshness, humility without any uncertainty, indeed, accompanied by a towering confidence. Readers can discover for themselves his unbending convictions but complete approachability, his insistence on truth but always bathed in love, his power without insensitivity, integrity without rigidity, passion without prejudice. He was able to combine traits like no one else, right? Like, have you ever met anyone like... So wh- where's the proof? Jesus, that, that's, he's the proof. And, and this is the, kind of the last thing I'll say, is his claims. Um, and a lot of you that have maybe looked at apologetics, you know the Lord, liar, lunatic um, kind of claim, but it, just forget about that for a moment and just think about the claims that Jesus made. And tell me if this, there's not a shocking beauty here. He assumed authority to forgive all sins. Um, he claimed that he alone could give eternal life. What if I showed up to your GC and made those claims? It'd be, it'd be weird. Um, but he, uh, and, and heretical, it looks like I don't have the other part, but he, what else did he do? He, he said that all sins committed are really against him. He, um, I mean, it's unbelievable, this, this God that, that we love and serve. And so, um, so I would say that that, that is, is what I, I know. I know so many of you know these things, but... For those of you that don't, especially if you're just kind of thinking about Jesus or haven't fully committed, just think about that. Think about this. Is this really a God that, that, um, that you can just say, well, he was a good teacher and I, I like the community? And you, you can't do that. He doesn't allow that. Um, it's, it's kind of a binary thing. You're, you're either, so, so I would just encourage you all to, to just um, continue to, to strive to see the beauty of this God that we love and serve. Oh, thanks, Rich. Thank you for sharing all that. And I, one of the things I love is that right before what we shared about Hebrews 10, 24, it encourages us to gather. The verse right before that says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So Rich, just thank you for holding fast to that hope, for sharing that with us. And I just want to, I want to end by praying for you and uh, just thanking you for the ministry that you're doing here. So thank you. Um, yeah. If you want to pray with me, I'd appreciate that. So Father God, uh, we just want to thank you for Rich. Lord, thank you for 
uh, that he is someone that you bought at great cost, that he is someone who you loved even when he wasn't looking for you, that he is someone who even in the midst of great sin, uh, you came into his life and showed him your beauty. Lord God, would you continue to show your beauty through Rich? Thank you for all the ways that I know he loves you, loves his family, and loves this body of believers. Lord God, uh, I pray that they continue to get to know him more. I uh, can continue to ask him more questions, Father, young or old. And Lord God, would you protect him? Would you guide him? Would you keep your Holy Spirit's anointing on him? Uh, Lord, we know that he and the other elders come under attack from the enemy often. So Father God, we pray that you would keep them at bay. Lord God, would you strengthen them in their hearts and encourage them in all the ways that they need for, for love and joy and for seeing the beauty of Jesus Christ daily. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. Give it up for Rich. All right. Well, we just invite you to stand and uh, continue to worship with us. inside you are my love no one 